Alrighty, everybody. Guru and the Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast creeping closer to a start of the NFL season. And um, Wiz, I'm going to apologize to you in advance here because I'm going to be on the road. The uh, the old college uh, drop-off, even though I don't know how long that's going to last, that's uh, that's about to start. So I'm hitting the road for part one of the that odyssey. Uh, part two will come in a couple of weeks, but... We're going to try to get these podcasts in when we when we can. So uh, this weekend we intend to do a bunch more, but uh, this will probably be it for the, the rest of this week. But don't worry, lots of lots of good good tidbits to come. Wiz, how are you today? I'm doing well. I do have a question for you though. So if you're not going to be doing any podcast, uh, you know, for the next couple of days, does that mean you're also not going to be doing any uh, cooking videos on TikTok as well? No, no, no cooking, no, no, no anything. It is strictly, absolutely, strictly helping my daughter get settled at school, getting on the road, and then uh, actually in between, I'll tell you what I will be doing. I'll be paying very close attention to developments that are going on because the stuff is starting to drift out. I know, you know, no matter what your source is, and I guess we could start talking right then and there. This is just kind of, you know, Wiz and I talking about a bunch of different things on our minds. So I don't know. Now, in this day and age, obviously, Twitter has become a bigger thing. I'm still a very big fan of the beat writers. You know, whether you read newspapers, whether you're picking up a magazine, I think that's kind of useless. I know there's a couple of shows on television. I think there's a lot of idiots talking on television, quite frankly. If you watch the NFL Network, I don't think any of those guys really know what they're talking about. But um, quite frankly, I'm a big beat writer fan. A lot of stuff is starting to come out. We're already getting some injury news and stuff. So I, I, I will be doing that the next couple of days. I will make sure I stay in touch with the sources that I use to give me my information. And I think that's really critical that people formulate a game plan when it comes to preparing for your NFL fantasy football draft. And whether you're doing, you know, we'll get into this about auctions or or uh, or snake drafts, but you know I think the same amount of preparation is necessary, and you got to start contemplating what you're going to be doing. I, I I know you were mentioning before uh, when we were on the phone earlier that you you know you you're watching people do the mock drafts, and that, that seems to be a very popular thing in the snake fashion, not as popular in the auction fashion. So uh, you know let you kind of continue on kind of what I'm talking about here. Yeah, I think uh, you know it's uh, it's. It just seems people like the, uh, you know, the speed and the convenience, if you will, of a snake draft. It does go much quicker. Uh, so I, people, uh, I think part of it is, is due to the speed and the convenience. And part of it is I just don't think a lot of people are familiar or aware or know uh, about, you know, auction drafts, and uh, <clears throat> which are, are a lot of fun. It really makes you feel like you're a general manager of a team. But we'll get to that, and we're definitely going to do a, a podcast where we're actually doing a snake draft, and we're just not going to make pick, and you make a pick, and then whichever guests we have are going to make picks. We're going to do something a little different. We're going to have like a little self-analysis and talk out loud before each pick what we're thinking about and what we're considering, which I think will be a lot of fun and, and very, very helpful. Uh, but before before we get to you know the, the draft itself, I really want to talk about like preparation for for the leagues. Uh, you know while we're in this you know unusual situation, and uh, I think the you know what the leagues need to do is prepare for a full season, a partial season, 
most of the season. So make sure you get that in order. Figure out a week of the season where, like, in baseball, five innings becomes an official game. Maybe, like, week eight, something like that becomes an official fantasy football season where there are are payouts made. We're going to do something interesting where – if it doesn't go eight weeks, then it's going to be a full refund. If it goes eight weeks, then we're going to start prorating out the payments where if it ends after eight weeks, you'll get the winners will get half of what they would have gotten. If it goes 12 or 13 weeks, they'll get three quarters. So I think, you know, what we're going to talk about is very interesting about players and drafts and strategies. That's all fine. We'll get to that. But you got it under these situation uh, that's happening here, you, you have to have your, make sure you prepare with your league how you're going to handle all types of scenarios, uh, including if the season is delayed or comes to an end, at what point um, you know, does it become an official season. And also the biggest thing is you know, we've never done Sunday pickups in our league before. But with the COVID, and you know, I just don't know. I'm going to assume that there's going to be players announced COVID positive, maybe as late as game day. I'm hoping that it's 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 not game day. I'm hoping they like you know, it's it could be like they'll announce it Saturday. But I'm assuming at this point there probably will be COVID players on announced on Sunday. So I I believe strongly that your league has to allow Sunday pickups in some form and. Uh, I know you're, you know, you're spearheading a few leagues of yourself, and some leagues is a little bit interest. Some leagues, I know you've been a little disappointed with the lack of interest. So, how are you proceeding with these leagues? Um, how do you proceed in a league where you just don't feel there's much enthusiasm from some of the other guys in the league? I think it's starting to pick up now. Now that the realization, so so we got a couple of things that have happened, right? So th- this this study that was done in conjunction with the NBA and, and Yale, um, you know, the, the saliva direct test, you know, could have some significant ramifications. And and I'd like to think that you know by Sunday morning, sometime we'll have an idea of of, of who's going to be out and not going to be out. But but it gives it gives the ability if if in fact that test is ready by time the season rolls around. Uh, to really know what's who's going to be in and who's going to be out. Um, but I think the fact is now, I think the realization is, look, baseball's been able to overcome some obstacles. Uh, I'm sure NFL protocols, you know, if you if you saw last week on Hard Knocks, it was a very different camp. And, and, and we're dealing, like Wiz said, we're dealing with a very different environment. By now, we've, we've, we've seen one, one uh, preseason game and we're, we're getting juiced up about different things. We have nothing to go by. A few highlight films. Some of the teams are doing some, some good jobs in putting and promoting their players uh, and putting some clips out there. So a nice clip of, of Justin Jefferson making a bunch of snags the other day in practice. So, so that sort of stuff is helpful. But I think the fact that they're starting to – pads are on and preparation going on, there seems to be some movement within the cabin now. So people are starting to realize, you know – Howie Z, uh, that football is going to start, and you and you better damn well be prepared for it. So, so I, I'm a little bit more encouraged by some of, some of that. So, so we're starting to have. So we've had a couple of you know text text chains and stuff like that. So we're starting to get prepared. As Wiz mentioned, you know, look, it may be harder to do auction drafts this year, but you know, know full well that you could do that sort of stuff electronically. Uh, and I, I would say, you know, we're laying out the groundwork. Day, days are going, days are being slapped down. I have per, a firm dates for most of my drafts now, which so, so we're moving in the right direction. 
Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I, yeah, the leagues I'm in is pretty good enthusiasm, and uh, guys seem to be really fired up and starting to get fired up for the season. And uh, you know, but one league, uh, I mean, I mean, the guys just, I, I'm not sure. Uh, you know, I just think you know some of them are dubious about the season. But listen, whether the season goes the distance or ten weeks or four weeks, you know, that's an unknown. But Rest assured, the NFL is going to start. This is going to be a start to the NFL season. If it goes the distance and you just didn't play this year because you felt there wasn't a, going to be a league, I think you're going to feel pretty silly about that. I don't see really what you have to lose. If, if it falls apart, you know, you're going to get a refund, uh, you know, after a couple of weeks. I think if the NFL gets to a certain point of seven, eight, nine weeks, then I think they've kind of figured out the testing and their situation is, is, is very likely that they're going to go the whole season. So I'm not quite understanding the lack of enthusiasm because if there's no season. What, what have you lost? But if there's a full season and it works out and you just gave up on it in August, I think you're going to feel like you know you, 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 it's a season that you wasted. Yeah, and I think, look, each and every one of us has been through and some of us have been through a lot more. This has been a real challenging time mentally for, for all of all of the world, actually. Uh, I think football is trying to do its best to bring some some normalcy to it, as other sports have tried to do. Now, certainly we know that that's a risk for some players more than others, and, and the players that realize their family members may be in jeopardy have made decisions around that. But we are trying to live with this, you know, dreaded outcome that we've been handed and, and, and hopefully football is going to do it in a safe manner and, and that we don't have that, you know, I'm, I am nervous certainly for, for certain conditions, but we're going to make every attempt to kind of move forward here as a, as, as a country. And, and this is part of the part of the process of doing that. And uh, you know, it's been, it's been happening around the world in other sports as well. Soccer in Germany, for example, South Korean baseball. And look, the, the, the bubble has worked very well for the NBA and hockey here. You've heard basically no issues there. Uh, and baseball seems to have gotten some control of it. So I'm somewhat encouraged that we're going to start and, and, and get this train rolling uh, for the 2020 football season. Yeah, so let's, let's get into drafts, uh, which is always fun, and we love talking about that. So um, because of the popularity of snake drafts, and, uh, you know, like I was saying earlier, there's a lot of convenience and it moves along quicker and more people are aware of snake drafts. Let's dedicate some time to, to snake drafts. So, I mean, the way I look at it is what I like to do is kind of like prepare in a 12-team league if I'm going to be drafting from every single spot. So I, you know, will do some sort of analysis and I'll kind of figure things out if I'm drafting, you know, first, second, all the way up to the 12th and seeing how the draft goes. Uh, so let's start with that. Do you do something similar, whether it's actual mock drafts or formulations and prepare no matter what slot you're drafting from in a snake draft? Yeah, I think that's right. You know, there are certain players that I'm go I've already established who 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 I'm looking at and who I'm not looking at, right? And I think you know, we'll go through some of that as we when we do our rankings because you know my rankings will express that. That doesn't mean, for example, if I don't like a particular player and he's still hanging around in round three. 
that I won't take him there. You know, if it's a player that everybody else has ranked in, you know, whatever this, you know, first couple of rounds, and he's still hanging around there in the third round, I'm not going to say that I, that I won't grab that player. But, but yeah, I'm, I've gone. I'm going in there with an insight of, of players that I would like to get and players that I don't want any part of. And there's going to be some teams I don't want any part of. I'm kind of formulating a game plan on 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 how I'm going to like. Am I going into this, for example, taking a Patrick Mahomes or a Lamar Jackson in the first couple of rounds, or am I going through this where I'm going to go cheap at quarterback, or when I mean cheap at quarterback, a later round situation, right? There's a strategy that I'm, I'm thinking about. It might be, you know, I might diversify myself where I go heavy quarterback early in one league, and in another league, I decide to wait, you know, till the ninth or tenth round to grab my first quarterback. Yeah, now let's go over some, like, you know, do's and don'ts to snake drafts and I'm going to give some helpful hints that, that, that help me. And I, I seem to, especially these snake drafts, you know, I kind of like, you know, no matter what slot I'm picking from, I kind of have an idea which players I'm going to have to choose from, at least for the first couple of rounds. It just seems it's kind of fairly easy to formulate and figure out based on how some of these drafts go, which players you're going to have to choose from. And um, like I said, it doesn't matter if you're picking second or third, you right off the bat, you know what your options are going to be. You kind of know who's going to be taken right ahead of you and what your choices are going to be. And then coming back, you have, you know, you you may not be exact about which one or two players, but you know there'll be a small group second and third round excuse me of players that you're gonna have to choose from and I think just getting an idea of what you're gonna do is helpful do you agree with that yeah I I agree with that like like I know right now for for example I know right now there like I said certain players that I'm just not going near uh, and I and yeah. I and I do I, and I do agree with that. That, that the preparation that you do going into this, you have to have an idea of what you're going to do. You just cannot walk in there, or or scan a few notes a day before the draft and know that this is part of the process. It also means, and and sometimes you don't know your league members because it may new, be a new league, so that's a definite disadvantage. But you certainly, if you're in a league that's coming back for the you know whatever fifth, sixth, seventh time. You have some insight into how people stylistically do things. Generally speaking, I would say people stick to uh, past patterns. That doesn't mean it always holds true, but you know you have to make some notes of that. And, and Wiz and I have covered a lot of this stuff in our in our earlier podcasts. So I do advise that that folks go and listen to some of those things. Those those are at the very beginning. Some of the stuff that we did back in oh gosh, that was probably March and April of this year. So so go back and do that. You know, we are on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, all of those venues. So so take a look at some of the past things because I think it's applicable to what we're doing right now. So let me give some specific example of things that I do and and practice, and it really helps me when the draft occurs. And you, you tell me if you do something similar or, you know, maybe a little, you know, a little – something that you do that helps you. So a lot of times when, you know, you have your pick, and it doesn't matter if it's the very first round or what round it may be, and you have this player in mind that you really want in that spot. And I see, you know, a lot of people, they're sweating out every pick beforehand. 
or they just sure that they're going to get the player. And in either one of those two situations, whether they're sure they're going to get the player or they're sweating out every single pick and saying, please, 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 don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. If that player is picked in the spot before they're picking or two spots before, it sets off a panic, and that can really start leading to uh, a domino effect and could lead you to have a bad draft. So what I like to do is when I have a player in mind and there's four, five, six picks away, or whether I'm sure I'm going to get the player, I am not thinking about that player anymore. Not at all. If it happens... I'm there. I know exactly what I'm going to do, and I'm fine with it. But when I have that player in mind, I'm not thinking about that player in mind at all. I am thinking about plan B, and I'm thinking about the group of players that I am going to have a choice to make from if that player is taken. So, you know, think about that. If you have a player that you absolutely love and you're saying, oh, please, let me get the player, or I'm confident I'm going to get the player – forget about it. That's fine. If the player is there and that's your absolute pick and you love it or it's somebody you've been waiting for or just somebody that you have to take in that spot and he's there, great. But don't think about the player. Start thinking about it if the player is taken right before your pick or two picks before or three picks before. Think about a group of players that is plan B and what you're going to do and choose from that group. That's how I go about it. Do you have anything you want to comment about that, or do you have something else that you may use or an idea of your own? So it's interesting. I actually personally only am in one snake draft that I do on my own. Uh, I am an advisor in a couple of different leagues. I'm an advisor of a couple of Australian guys uh, who I I love talking football with them because they're learning the game. What I tend to do in these drafts is I... If I'm, let's say we're in the second or let's say we're in the third round and I'm looking to pick up my, uh, in this instance, I'm looking to, I I went two running backs in the first two rounds. I'm looking to pick up my first wide receiver. To your point, I know that the position when I'm getting, I'm going to probably have a decision on four or five players that I want. So yes, there's going to be one or two that I'm going to want to want more than the others, but I'm also going to make it a point that if, I don't get that player, I am going to have a contingency plan in place. So, I, you know, and I know sometimes to your, you were saying, like, sometimes things get crazy where there'll be a run on a certain position and you didn't expect it. It could be tight end early. It could be, you know, running backs keep going, whatever. We don't know what it's going to be. You know, expect the unexpected. But I generally still try to stick to the position that I'm looking to fill, but I'm just probably thinking about multiple picks at the position. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think you know, panic is, you know, is if you're not prepared and then you see that clock starting to tick on you and the player was taken right before you were going to pick um, and now you're lost, you know, so that player is not available and then you make a poor pick after that because you weren't prepared. That's when, you know, a, you know a, a downhill effect can start and you cause you to have a poor draft. So that's one of the things I look at. Forget about the player. Start thinking about plan B. What am I going to do in case of? Always have an in case of plan. Uh, a group of small players that are available because you know 
that if your player is going to be taken, then that other small group certainly will be available and think about what you want to do. Uh, when it comes to snake drafts, I think it's very, very interesting. There's always strategies. You read about zero running back strategy where pass on running backs. You don't need to take them in the first few picks or a certain position that you could wait on. How do you go into a snake draft? Um, is there any sort of strategy in general, or do you take it on a year-by-year -year basis depending on where you feel there's a lot of depth in terms of talent. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open kimono here. So I've only been doing it. I've only been a part of a snake league for the last two years, actual member of the league. And those two years, I've just told my partner one thing. We're drafting Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> okay. So, so basically, I'm going to tell him the same thing this year. We're drafting Patrick Mahomes, which means we're taking him in the first round. And then whatever else happens after that, you know, we'll talk about some different positions. But so in that league, we've gone that direction and we're going that direction again. I'm spilling my guts uh, to all my league members if they're listening out there. Uh, in, in the league that I advise in, uh, I go the completely opposite direction. Take our quarterbacks late. Ninth, tenth round, there's going to be bargains galore. There's a bunch of guys that I like right now. Uh, and I'm probably going to go running back intensive to start. In, in a league like that, and then kind of fiddle my way through the through the depths of the depths of the wide receiver position. So, so yeah, there's different strategies that I employ depending on the league, and and that's the way I think about it. So, so some I I, I don't you know quarterback position is really deep. You can say to you could say to someone like myself, you're crazy for taking a quarterback in the first or second round. But you know what? I want Patrick Mahomes. It's not an auction league. I don't have the ability to get him no matter what. So if we're going to get him, we have to draft him in the first round. Simple as that. Yeah, that's the real difference. I mean, an auction league, like, if you have a strategy where, like, you want to get these handful of players, <clears throat> you don't care how much of your budget it's going to cost you because you have 30 or 40 sleepers in your in mind that you're going to get for very, very cheap, so you're going to construct your team that way. You know, that can't be done in a snake draft. But one thing that I try and do is I kind of, like, try to dictate the draft to the other teams. And what I mean by that is I kind of like trying to beat people to the punch at a certain position. So if I'm picking in the middle of the round, <clears throat> just as a, you know, whatever, an, an argument's sake, and like coming back in the second round, let's say I have the, the sixth pick or the seventh pick, <clears throat> and it's coming back to me in the second round, and I take a pick like Travis Kelsey, and then I'm hoping what that will do will trigger off a number of tight ends. So instead of having to wait 12 or 13 picks where everyone is going to be picking different positions, the best players, maybe three or four of those picks will be swallowed up by tight ends because, okay, I take Kelsey. Now the guy's saying, oh, my goodness, now Kittle is in a class by himself. I got to take Kittle. And another guy saying, okay, now we're down to like maybe two or three elite tight ends. I want to take Ertz and so forth and so on. So trying to beat the teams to the punch at a certain position and maybe even dictate the draft, which is not easy to do, but it can be done if the timing is right, is something that I like to do. Is that something that you think is interesting and you have thought of that as well? No, I've thought of that, but I've probably because I've I've done much le less in the snake. You know, just I'm not. I'm just haven't been. You know, the leagues I've been part of over the last twenty years have predominantly been um, uh, auction drafts. Auction. 
but that's not to say that I don't try to do the same type of thing in those in, in those drafts. But yeah, there I I remember distinctly last year when I turned to my partner Jimmy, the one that I'm in 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 the uh, snake draft with. And, you know, those first three, four tight ends went, and he started to get nervous, and I said, don't worry, I got our guy. <laughs> That's what I said to him, because I, I'd been doing work since early in the summer. Jimmy, Jimmy was looking at stuff the night before, but I had Darren Waller written down that that was the tight end that we were going to get, and I, I think we got him like the 11th or 12th round, something like that. You know, I, right. so, so that was my game plan. But he, he definitely got all kinds of nervous about what was going on. I said, don't worry about it, we got a guy. I, and again, I, I could have been dead wrong on that call, but but that that was the decision that I was making at that time. And do you subscribe to the theory? Yeah, I mean, no matter what, you know, take your defense and your kicker at the end, and it kind of doesn't matter where your kicker or defense is. I mean, you're somebody who puts a little bit of time and effort into defense and kicker. Do you think it's more than just ah? It's your 15th and 16th pick, no big deal? Because I'm a little bit more fixated on schedules and especially what's going on during the playoffs. So I go into every league and every draft assuming that I will be in the playoffs. And, and, and again, in some, of the, in some of the leagues that we're in, you know, the competition is extremely vigorous. In others, it's not, not as much. So maybe you know, I feel like there's much more of a highly likelihood that I'm going to be in there. But my assumption is I'm going to make the playoffs. So I am going in there with a mindset of, hey, Who's playing who in weeks 14, 15, and 16, and that's when your playoffs are. And if I really love a defense, and if I really love their schedule on top of that, uh, you know what? I'm not going to wait till the last couple of rounds to take a defense. I'm going to stick my nose in there and get that defense earlier. A kicker, probably a little bit less so, but I do think there's a material difference between those top four or five kickers and then the rest of the gang. But I think, you know, looking at schedules and matchups, especially late in the season, weather becomes a big factor. You know, I'm kind of fixated on the weather. You, you, know, you know that. Um, but, yeah, so I, so I would say I'm a little bit more um, uh, anal about that sort of thing. And uh, I think the, the concentration on where I take my defense may put a little bit more emphasis in the earlier rounds because I'm looking at matchups and stuff. So the last thing I'm going to touch base on with the snake drafts, and then we could, you know, just talk some auction stuff after this as well, is, is, is handcuffs. And, and it's an interesting thing because in an auction draft, you could kind of say like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna put aside sixty-five dollars of my budget for the duo of Elliott and Pollard from the Cowboys. But in a snake draft, you grab Elliott with your first round pick. You want Pollard, but there's no numeric value that can be assigned to him like in an auction draft. So I guess what I'm asking is how concerned are you with getting your handcuffed in a snake draft? Do you feel like if it's a guy like a Pollard or a Madison, somebody that's really good and would be probably a top 10 or 15 guy if they got the chance and the starter got hurt, do you look at it like okay, nobody else is probably going to draft this player because I have the starter and I'm not going to worry about it. Is it more of I need to grab this back up, I'll even go in a round or two than he probably should go to get the player, or is it, heck, this guy could take my backup, even though I don't have Cook, I'll be happy with Madison. What's the thinking behind handcuffs slash backups 
in a snake draft where there's no numeric value that you could assign the players. I think it's a lot harder in a snake draft. It's just a lot harder to, to solidify your handcuff. Um, and it also, it's dependent about how many um, players are being drafted by each team. So if it's a shallow league, for example, where you're only drafting, like, say, between 15 and 16 guys on a team, uh, there's probably some less likelihood that you're going to see a lot of backups taken. You'll probably see the top four or five taken, but the rest will be out there. But if you're in a deeper league, those guys are all going. So, And it's a lot harder. And you may be one of these people that, you know, you you love that running situation so much. And the, the Minnesota one actually has a lot more ramifications to it because – the, the, the player we're talking about, Dalvin Cook's in the middle of a contract squabble um, or negotiation, whatever you want to call it. But, yeah, I think it's a lot harder to pull off. You can make it happen in an auction draft. I think it's a lot harder to pull off in a, in a, in a snake draft for sure. Right. So uh, how do you go about it? Is, is it weighing on your mind? Do you uh, go in a little earlier than the player should be picked? I, I, is it I'm going to bide my time and, and take the player where I think he should go? How, how do you handle it? For the people out there that are in that situation, what do you advise? In, in, in snake drafts, I'm probably a little bit more, I would say, more reluctant to actually fixate on getting the, the, the backup and just deal with the draft as, it, as things kind of play out then actually go out of my way to get the backup. Okay. Fair fair enough. I mean, I think, you know, to your point, it is difficult to try and pull off that feat of getting the start or getting the handcuff for every elite running back you get. But uh, it's the interesting dynamic. It's, you know, why I prefer, and you prefer probably – one of the reasons why we prefer auction drafts, but it's something that, you know, you have to consider, you have to think about. And uh, it's, it's, you know, just, just one of these aspects of, of snake drafts that are, you know, you just don't have control over because you can't say, listen, you know, I'll spend a few extra dollars to get the backup in an auction draft. It's a snake draft if somebody just feels like doing it or being a thorn in your side, or they think he's the best player available, kind of, kind of out of your hands. Uh, I'm going to say one thing, Wiz. I've noticed this when I've been doing a few of the mocks that I've been doing. This is just strictly observational right now. I don't know if you feel the same way, but I think, um, and we've talked a little bit about rookies being more challenged this year. I think that's very much the case for running backs, as we spoke about. And there's not a lot of starting quarterbacks that are going to be rookies this year. Actually, when I look at the receiver position and, and maybe even a few of the tight ends, but to me, it seems like those guys are valued much differently than I would be valuing those players. Again, it's dependent on the situation because I think there's a few rookies that are probably going to contribute immediately in the, in the passing game. Um, but it seems to be in, in, these, in these mock drafts that I'm doing that those players are being drafted, in my eyes, way too far back in the drafts. So I don't know if you've noticed that, but that's my current observation for people i think some of these rookies are in a position to be contributors from the get-go and a lot of that is dependent on the situation that they're walking into uh but i think they're going way too late in uh in some of these snake drafts that's just an observation i have well i'll tell you one player that is not going too late (laughs) clyde edwards hilaire is being taken in first rounds of snake drafts. Um, I mean, he is being drafted and priced in like he's an MVP candidate already. And uh, 
he's a good player. I have some strong views on the player, um, but wow, he is being taken ahead of some elite players that have proven track records and figure to have big years. So some of those rookies are kind of like maybe lost a little bit and you could get value on, but Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is being taken like he is the next coming of Jim Brown. I mean, he is being taken in the first round, clear-cut. I even saw a snake draft where he was the second or third running back taken. Um, <laughs> in about first round, he was like a top-five guy. And he's ranked very, very high. So that one's interesting. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think I think to your point, you know, it's not all the same. It's not a one-size-fits-all. It's kind of, you know, what the situation is. And uh, you will get a lot of value, and especially in some of these teams where, you know, people are not sure what the status is going to be of the rookie, if he's first string, second string, third string, or – uh, you know, what about his weaknesses of pass protection, ball security? So I think there'll, there'll be some very, very good value to your point. All depends on the situation. And, um, you know, without these preseason games, it adds another layer of confusion, which uh, is going to make it for a very, very interesting draft, I believe. Yeah, yeah it's much harder. Like, look, visually, we're not – we're not seeing things the way we normally would see them in the preseason. You know, usually you tend to watch, especially like once we get to preseason game two or three, you get to watch a half of football and you start seeing some stuff going on. And, you know, right now we're relegated to just looking at a few clips from a practice and, and going by what some of the, some of the optics are from and observations are from the, from either the coaches, uh, teammates or beat writers. So it's definitely more challenging for sure. But, and, and I think that that leads to people having to do, a lot more homework because it's just not in your face. It's just not. Absolutely. Uh, so uh, let's segue to the auction drafts, which is something that you are much, much more familiar with. You're probably, now that I think about it, you, you may be the only fantasy owner or fantasy player I know who has participated probably 95% auction drafts and 5% snake drafts. I mean, the community of fantasy football is so, so much more prominent with snake drafts. <clears throat> but we both love <clears throat> auction drafts and prefer auction drafts. So in terms of strategy, you know, putting numeric value, talk a little bit about that where you left off with snake drafts, how important it is in certain situations to – give yourself an allowance of not only drafting the starter, but where you feel the backup can be a contributing factor immediately getting his handcuff as well. Yeah. So, so I think there's some, you know, I probably have a list of five or six um, backups that if they do get the job, they're going to be a, a significant factor. So, you know, if I've drafted a Dalvin cook, if I've drafted a Ezekiel Elliott, for example, those are, those are backups that are going to have value, and I and, and I probably go in with a numeric value where I think I can get that player. Um, now I may be dead wrong about that value, but I'm going to go in there with that kind of a mindset. It's I know in most of the leagues that I play in, if you think you could just waltz in and get a guy for a dollar just because he's a backup, that's not happening. It's just not happening. So I put in I probably put a numeric value on that player. I probably will end up getting surprised. We've discussed this as well that some of these running backs, for example, do have standalone value, you know, on their own. They're going to get, you know, Kareem Hunt's going to 
score plenty of points on a weekly basis just because of the way the, the player gets used. And if something were to happen to Nick Chubb, you know, it would be a lookout situation for for the fantasy world. But, but yeah, I go in there with a mentality about how much I'm going to actually spend. And, and maybe there are some guys that don't give a hoot and they're just going to try to balance their team as best they can and, and deal and roll with the punches uh, depending on an injury. And, you know, there's, there's, there's a couple of different attitudes. I do like to have some handcuffs depending on the players. Uh, but in other situations, like if I drafted Joe Mixon, am I going to care about the Giovanni Bernard? The answer is probably no. Um, you know that to give you an example. But there are other guys like a, like a, like a Zeke Elliott or a, or a Dalvin Cook that I'm going to be paying much more close attention to, potentially getting that back up and how much I'm going to spend on them. I'll tell you, it's funny. <clears throat> I would say probably the majority of disputes grudges and bad feelings at auction drafts have come over backups and handcuffs. Um, oh, there's lots of glare. We, we see a guy glaring at people. I, I'll tell you, I had one last year. I mean, we were doing our draft and Pat drafted Dalvin Cook and he wanted me to hand him Alexander Madison on a silver platter to him. And I'm, I'm thinking, what the heck's going on? Well, what's this all about? Alexander Madison, if he got in there and something was happening to Cook, and Cook hasn't been uh, the Lou Gehrig of, of, of football in his career where he's a lock to play every game. So, yeah, I mean, that and, you know, we have guys in our leagues who still have grudges and bad feelings, um, you know, that their backup wasn't handed to them for, like, uh, the minimum it doesn't. It doesn't work like that. There's, there's no crying in fantasy football. I mean, you know, if I can't get my handcuff, guess what? I'm going after your handcuff. If I think the player is good and could be prominent and become a league winner, or could be somebody that's a top ten or fifteen running back if he becomes the starter. So, never feel, uh, you know, don't, don't ever feel like intimidated or shy about getting somebody else's backup in an auction league or even a snake draft if you like the player and you think that if he had the chance and opportunity he could play well then, then go asking the guy i mean but yeah we have situations in our league and i've seen other leagues where wow like they just expect you like to just hand them the, their, their backup uh, on a silver platter i've seen guys turn to guys and say i'll remember that <laughs> Some kind of vendetta going on. I, I, yeah, I, and, that, and that waterfront league that you were in for years and years, wasn't it? Like oh, got, guys like, will be scowls. I'll remember that. Yeah, okay, that's what you want. That's how you want to do it. Like, no matter who it is. Yeah. Like, you, you know, I don't know. It's, uh, yeah, not, not, it's, not on my watch. By the way, speaking of on watch, I, I don't want to segue too far away from your train of thought here, but you know, we talk about the role of policemen. At these drafts, and I, and I want to talk a little bit about that. Uh, I don't know if you want to go right into that right now, but uh, or we can wait. But you know, I, I do want to discuss that topic. You want to go into that now, or do you want to wait on it? No, no, by all means. I mean, you know, just kind of so, like so, uh, you know, you, we, we, we don't have any. Uh... We don't have anything scripted here, so no, yeah. Exactly. So, so here's the thing: there are certain guys that will play policemen at drafts. If there's a twelve-person draft, there's maybe four to five people at that draft who are going to make sure that everybody, no matter what that player is, and no matter what situation that individual is in, is going to make sure that somebody doesn't walk away from the candy store with a really cheap piece of candy. All right, so. 
so if you all of a sudden are in an auction draft and, and, and for example, um, you know, Calvin Ridley is, is out there and, and it's, it's on his numerical value on his, on his salary is $10 and, and people are staring into space. They better damn well be someone that's saying 11. If it's a $200 um, uh, auction limit uh, salary cap, I should say, because you know, you cannot let players just go, go just because you may not be interested and you may not have any interest in oil, but you have to play policeman in these drafts. People cannot walk away with free lunch. It just doesn't work that way. So, I think there has to be, we know there are certain people in leagues that do it and certain people in leagues that just have no interest in doing it. I'm going to rest assured, I am going to be, and I actually like to bid on, I like to be part of a bid on every player just because I want to be involved. I want to get a feel for what's going on. I also don't want to give too much away in terms of what I'm trying to do. Uh, that would be a recommendation on my on my behalf. What are your thoughts on being a policeman and any other thoughts that you have on, on auction uh, strategy? The way to look at it is, it's, it's like if you let a player going go, go to another team and they get great value on the player, guess what that's probably going to mean? It's probably going to mean that they're going to be a thorn in your side later on in the draft at a player that you want, but because you didn't make them spend or they, they really got a player cheap, um, you, it's going to come back to haunt you. So, yeah, to your point, um, to your point, you have to be alive and alert on every bid. I, 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 I'm in on every bid. I mean, I, I have to at this point to, you know, for, for the way the other guys in, in, in the leagues that I'm in look at me when I'm bidding, I have to be in on every bid on just about every player. Now, obviously, I'm not going to go overbidding on, on, on certain players that only should be a few dollars, but when a player is, a, is, a, is an elite player, whether I love the guy, whether I don't like him, whether I like him, I have to bid the same way because there are guys in the league that if they just feel like I'm interested on a player – uh, they're going to just start bidding. You know, it's just the way it is. It happens every year. Last year was really a tough auction draft for me. I was getting, you know, every which way but loose on every single player. So I have to, I have to bid almost like I want every single player. Some players I don't want. Some players I really do want. Just so nobody can kind of, you know, see that, you know, which players I'm bidding on. And, oh, I'm interested in that. And if I'm not, you know, so I, I follow kind of the same theory. Maybe not for every single guy, especially if I see enough guys in on it. I don't have to do that dirty work. But I have to keep people guessing because um, once I show an interest in a player, I feel certain people start waking up to that. So I would agree with that. But to your original point, you can't just sit there idly by. And even if you don't love the player, you just can't let guys get players for dirt cheap. Because like I said, later on, they have had such value with that pick that they'll still be able to be a thorn in your side for picks later on. So, yeah, I completely agree with that. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's very interesting, and there are different strategies, obviously, too, that go into play. You know, I maybe sometimes try to budget my. You know, I mean, look, you have to again expecting the unexpected. You have to 
you go in there with a thesis, maybe going into a draft. I've done this a few times thinking that, you know, you go into a draft, you think quarterbacks are going to be cheap in your particular draft, right? And all of a sudden you walk in there and quarterbacks are going really expensive and you're like, what the hell happened here? I was completely wrong. And, and then that means you may have to reconfigure what you were trying to do. But I have to, I try to formulate some idea about what I think is going to happen. You know, I may do some budgeting of what I want to spend at a particular position. I may think a different, I, I may think one position is particularly deep and that's a position that I'm not going to go crazy spending money on. So a lot of ideas like that is the way I kind of approach my auction drafts. Yeah, I think that's, um, you know, I think that's a interesting way and uh okay it's kind of like playing poker and playing cards you play with the same group of guys every friday night for weeks and weeks and years and years you kind of know what their tells are you kind of know what their habits are you kind of know what type of player what type of position when they're very interested in the bid so we've been doing this for so long you know you, you know you've you know, pretty late to our league, but now you're already in, in our league for what? Now you're going on, what, like five or six uh, years? No, I think it's like the seventh year I'm in there. Now the seventh year in that league. Year so. in. The rest of us, like, have been against each other in, in a lot of leagues, and, 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 and only in that league, but we've done a lot of auction drafts against each other and with the guys in the league and all the other sports as well, and we do a lot of drafts in football, playoff drafts as well. So you kind of, like poker, kind of get a feel for what the other guy is doing, the type of player, what kind of player they're interested in, uh, and you have to take that in consideration because you, you're, you're not just bidding – for players, you're bidding against the other guys, and it's not just going after the players you want. There's another element to an auction draft that's not there in a snake draft. It's knowing the guys in your auction draft, knowing maybe what their habits are, what players they're interested in, and um, and, and and understanding that and taking that into consideration. So it's kind of two things going on at the same time. Would you agree with that? It's the, it's the player that's being nominated and also the guys you're up against during that nomination. Yeah, yeah, yes, and to your point, so it, it'll be a little disappointing in some of the leagues where I normally get together with people that we're going to be doing online because, you, uh, you know, as you say, sometimes you can tell people's mannerisms and, and figure out a lot of stuff from that. So some of those leagues you won't be able to do that. Um, but, yeah, so you, you definitely want to, you know, know exactly you, – you want to think about what people are going to do. You want to try to – you want to try to anticipate what you're kind of walking into and, you know, let, 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 let the, let the cards fly. I mean, that's it. It's going to be, it's going to be wild and woolly scene. You know, I know certain guys, little, little tells. So I'm watching those antics. I may have a tell of my own that, that, that you may know, you know, I'm not aware of. That's fine. And that's why, you know, that's the beauty of the, the whole auction process, which is a great one for sure. I'll tell you, it's funny. Have you ever seen the movie Rounders? I have not. So Rounders is a great movie. It's, it's, it's about poker, and um, there's a scene at the end where the character played by Matt Damon is playing heads-up poker against the, against the guy who runs the place, uh, by, who's played by John Malkovich. And 
it's John Malkovich's character has a tell when he has a great hand he goes and starts eating Oreo cookies <laughs> and Matt Damon is narrating that part of the movie and he's saying yeah you know I, I picked up on that and then the John Malkovich character realizes it after like Matt Damon goes out on a hand that the, the Malkovich character had a had a, a tremendous hand but he's eating the Oreo cookie and then he smashed the Oreo cookies after he realizes that Matt Damon caught him. But tell a little, tell this funny story real quick. Uh, two years ago, it wasn't last year, it was two years ago, where your partner oh. happened to be sitting exactly opposite you at the draft, and he seemed to be doing something when there was a player that you guys talked about that was nominated and was the bidding process was taking place. He was doing something in his chair that I certainly caught. I'm not sure how many other guys caught on to, and we were using it and realized it as a tell, and it was pretty hilarious. Why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, so I happened to be auctioneering that year as well. So, you know, my partner and I talked about what was going to, you know, players that we were interested in and and we wanted to get, but you know, we're not going to be talking across the table as, as the draft comes on. Player gets nominated. I, I want to say it, it was a Keenan Allen. I believe it was Keenan Allen. Um, if That's I'm, the player was Keenan, but he was doing it on other players yeah. that you both had interest in. Every time that there was a player, well, this is the first time I noticed it. You know, aside from the fact that my partner was actually trying to, when, when we were in, when we had the bid, when we were in control of the bid for a player. My partner was trying to make me, he's telling me to hurry up in, in, in the count so that we get the player. Talk about, uh, talk about a tr guy trying to massage things. But anyway. Yeah, that's a little sneaky, I would say. Yeah, but my partner would sit up as erect as the Empire State Building. He's, he was slouched in his chair. And in, when, when that player came up that he want, he would rise from the dead. And he was, as, like I said, as erect as the Empire State Building and leaning forward, hands on the table, you know, all kinds of motion. And, and I guess at that point in time, you know, Wiz is like, okay, these guys, these guys want this guy. So, you know, let's, uh, let's make them pay for him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was sitting maybe a seat or two away from him watching. I was kind of laughing, and I wasn't going to say anything, but it was it was very funny. And he, you know, had his posture on players, and then he was whispering a few things to you. He was whispering for you to rush the count, the going once, going twice, sold count when you were possession, so it wouldn't give the other teams enough chance to bid. And then there was something else that was the breaking point. What, what was the final thing he said to you that you finally said, Mike, would you shut up already? Well, what did he say to you? I don't remember what it was. He whisper, uh, did he whisper and try and tell you which player to nominate? I got not, or he wanted you to nominate a guy that you guys wanted. I actually think this was the Aaron Jones. So at the time, we owned, I want to say, yeah, we owned Aaron Jones, I believe, and he's trying to tell me to, or maybe we had Jamal Williams and to get, I can't remember the order of it. You had Jamal Williams and I was waiting for Aaron Jones and you had a little bit more money, but I, I was waiting on Nick Chubb. Uh, and you, you you wanted Aaron Jones, but yeah, what did he do? He was whispering something to you, right? Yeah, and I'm like, Mike, we're not putting that player out there. I'm I'm, I'm watching what's going on here. I don't want to expose him. I'm not doing that right now. I know what we got to do, but you know there are certain strategies that you need to employ. I'm not going to be told. I have an idea what's going on. Sometimes, by the way, I will nominate players that I want, and sometimes I won't. You know, it really depends oh, on the situation. Yeah, and by the way, the guru does a tremendous job as auctioneer. Um, 
he's an auctioneer extraordinaire. I, I, I'm an auctioneer. I do auction uh, earring, uh, do auctioneering as well in the leagues. And, uh, but, yeah, you're very, very good at it. You seem to enjoy doing it. And uh, the fact that you're most likely not going to have your partner physically there with you probably lend itself to another year for you auction, uh, auctioneering, or maybe we'll, we'll, we'll split the time half and half. But, uh, yeah, you do a great job as the auctioneer, but you seem to – almost every year have some sort of a dispute argument uh, with your partner uh, at these things. Yeah, he's, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's a challenge, but I'll say I'm a challenge too, right? And I go into these things, I'm, I, I, I'm very, you know, pig-headed in my views too. So sometimes it leads to these uh, emotional clashes for sure. <laughs> it certainly does, but uh, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of emotion in it, and, uh, you know, you listen, you go into these things, and you want to be serious, and you want to have intensity, and you want to be focused, but you have to have fun, and you have to enjoy it, and you have to love doing it, and if you do all of those things, you're most likely going to do well, so make sure that, you know, you're prepared, you do your homework, you have your strategies in place, but above all else, Make sure you're enjoying it and have fun with it. Would you yeah. agree with that? Would yeah. you be the same line of thinking about that? No, I, look, I would. I, I, I like to joke around and I say, you know, the 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 eve of the the eve of the uh, whatever fantasy draft you're doing feels like Christmas morning, but it actually does. Like you get you get juiced up, you know, you got a lot of energy. You probably have trouble sleeping that night. Like at least that's the case for me. You know, I maybe I'm yeah. nuts, but that's the case yeah. for me. I really look forward to it. Um, and uh, I mean, it's the key. I, I, I definitely don't get much sleep the night before. Part of it is because I'm thinking about the draft, and part of it is I have three or four guys in my league who send me texts at four or five o'clock in the morning and say, Don't even think about getting this guy. I know you're interested <laughs> in that guy. You're not getting that guy. I've been waiting for this guy. So I get taunting texts seriously at four or five o'clock in the morning uh, the night before. I've already got text from one guy in the league who said to me, enjoy Pat Mahomes this year. You are never, ever, ever getting that player back. So this is the stuff that happens. We love it. Uh, it's part of the league. We're all crazy in our own ways, but we certainly have fun and we try and enjoy it. Absolutely. No question about it. I'm excited for it. You know, I'm preparing. Like I said to everybody, follow those beat writers. There are injuries that are going on. There are sleepers that are emerging. There are guys you thought were going to break out. You know, I thought Jalen Hurd was going to be a sleeper last, this year. It looks like he's torn his ACL. Uh, poor guy, second year in a row. So pay attention to what's going on. Preparation is important. Go back and listen to some of those Guru and Wiz podcasts that we did early in the season. Start figuring out when you're doing a draft and how you're doing a draft. We, you know, it's it's now starting to move along, so you got to get ready for all this stuff. So those those are my last thoughts, Wiz. Absolutely, yeah. So we're, we're gonna um, we're we're going to at some point in the in the next few days, certainly within the next week, we're gonna do a mock draft a snake mock draft where we're not only just going to make the picks, we're going to be talking out loud and then telling you what our thinking out loud is about the pick, who are contemplating the pick and, uh, and, and do that. And do maybe, I don't know, six, eight, 10 rounds of that, uh, of a 12 team draft. We'll have a few guys hopefully helping us out with that. So I think that'll be a lot of fun. That'll be helpful. I think it'll be a good exercise as well for people who are getting prepared for their drafts to think about which players might they have to consider in different slots at the draft. 
All right, fantastic. So well, that'll be it for this one. Uh, be up for a few days, but we're going to get back at it this weekend. Uh, Wiz, this has been a very enjoyable discussion as per usual. Uh, again, prepare everyone. Guru and the Wiz at gmail.com if you want to talk about anything in particular in an episode. And we're on Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Wiz, thank you very much. Enjoy your evening. You as well. You take care.